Hi, I'm Wayne Rogers, and I invite you to Meet Me at the Mountain. This is Episode 5 of the Meet Me at the Mountain podcast. I'm grateful to have you checking out this podcast. I'd invite you to check out any and all of the podcasts that are located on the Scattered Abroad Network. We have a good number who are following the podcast now, and for that, I'm truly humbled and grateful to have you along on this journey over the mountain. In our last episode, we talked about Foundations Mountain, and we took a look at Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27, and we must make sure that we are building our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ, as we sing with our young people sometimes, so that we can be those wise people who are building on that proper foundation and the chief cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. In our discussion today, we want to consider Temptations Mountain. This discussion comes from a study in James chapter 1, and so if you are able to grab a Bible, please do so and study along with us. In James chapter 1, I want us to spend a little time looking at this chapter. We will focus our attention eventually on verses 14 through 16 and talk about temptation itself. But James opens up this letter and he says, count it all joy when you fall into these various trials. These trials, these difficulties in life, they're going to come upon the child of God in his or her life. They're afflictions that come to us all. And in life, you've heard this before probably, we're either in the middle of a storm or we're coming out of a storm or we're about to enter into a storm. And so that's, that's just life. The key is going to be to remember who is in control? Who has the power to calm each of those storms? And does anyone care if we perish? You remember the disciples of the Lord asked him, you know, Lord, do you care if we perish? They woke him up as he was sleeping in the back of the boat. But James teaches us what our disposition, our attitude should be toward these various trials, that we are to count it all joy. That's that's not a typical response when we're suffering or when we're hurting or when we're going through some uh, traumatic event or just some difficult uh, time that we're having. It's not so often that we just walk around with a smile on our face. So it's, a more, it's more about having that inner peace and joy that comes from knowing that God is the one who is in control. God is the one who has a purpose and plan for our life, and we have to trust Him in those things that he wants and desires for us. And so we follow his word and we continue to build on that foundation as we talked about last time. He says that knowing that the testing of our faith produces patience, verse 3, and let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and complete with nothing lacking. And so out of these trials, we become stronger. Going through these difficulties, it's like a it's like a workout. It's like working out at the gym and, you know, we're breaking down those, uh, those muscles. We're working against them. Why? So that we, we get stronger and stronger each day of our life. And so it's the same thing with uh, working out in that way and building those muscles. And, and muscle memory is so important. That's that. I would connect that idea with the idea of, of faith in this as well. And so when we come across these difficulties, we need to have the muscle memory. We need to have the faith to, to continue on. And James, though, I believe, realizing certainly by inspiration, he writes it that 
there's the possibility that we we get to a point we just don't know how to deal with what's going on in our lives. And so he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not or does not uh, do so with reproach. He's not angry at us for asking such. He, In fact, he says, and it will be given to him. And then he tells us how we should ask, ask in faith, uh, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, he's asked he says we should ask for wisdom if if we're not if we're at that point we don't know how to deal with those trials in our lives then we ask for wisdom and this has the idea of connecting not just from man's point of view thinking about going through suffering and difficulties in these various trials but rather learning to think about it from God's vantage point from his viewpoint that's wisdom and and knowing then how to deal with it thinking about things from God's viewpoint. And and then he goes on and says, blessed is the man who endures those temptations, those external trials that that he's been talking about through this whole chapter so far. And he says, when he's approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him, verse 12. And so to see someone who successfully endures these trials— Maybe we only need to read about Job, right? We think about Job and and all that he went through. But what James is trying to teach us, exactly what Job, uh, what he was able to do, we too are able to do. Uh, this is what James is trying to teach us. And so these these afflictions, they they make us stronger because of them. They make us into the people that God wants us to be. But again, I believe James, by inspiration, he would write in anticipation of the possibility that someone in the midst of all of these trials might sin. Now, the external trials that we're going through in and of themselves are not sinful, but because of these trials, one might actually fall to temptation to sin. Now, if you think about Job again for just a moment and all that he went through, Guess who was right there with him? Mrs. Job was right there beside him going through these same trials. She's lost her children, lost her livelihood, and, and, and so forth. And all the things that Job has, has gone through, she's been right there with him. But at one point, she, she says, do you continue to hold to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? And, and, and I couldn't imagine such a thing, and probably neither can you, but... Here's here's verse 13 of our text in James chapter 1. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. It's important to know if, if anyone allows himself to be tempted to do evil, being weakened maybe by these trials and and various trials that are going on in life, he might get the idea that the temptation itself to sin actually came from God, and that he would blame God in the matter, that God was somehow at fault in the matter. But such a concept is so wrong. One should never blame God for giving in to a sinful temptation. We go back to Genesis chapter 3, right, and, and how Adam blamed God for giving him the woman. Uh, the woman who gave uh, him of the fruit and he did eat, but 
God gave him that woman, so he put it back on God in that way. But he says in verses 14 through 16, and this is our text, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Verse 16 reminds us We cannot blame God ever for sin. God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man to sin. And so you think about then verses 17 and through really the rest of the chapter, it's it's about the truth again. It's about Scripture. It's about what Scripture does for us. It It reminds us, James does in this passage, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. One cannot say that whatever comes to him, uh, which causes him to do wrong, is, is God's fault. Why? Because every good and every perfect gift comes from God, comes from above. And so we're told then that the saint is to control his life. And he does that through the Word of God. Verses 18, of his own will, he, be, uh, he begat us with the Word of truth or brought us forth by the Word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So what's the point? That the Word of God produces the righteousness of God. And so anyone who would want that wisdom to know how to deal with the the difficulties of life, these various trials, and not be involved in sin and even how to overcome sin, he's got to follow the Word of God. And he goes on that we've got to be doers of the Word, not not hearers, only deceiving our own selves. And then he says, uh, he goes on to talk about looking into the perfect law of liberty and continuing it in it and not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. He says, this one will be blessed in his deed. So in verse 12, he said, the man who endures temptations will be blessed in his deed. And the one who's a doer of that work, which is of the word of God, that man will be blessed in his deed. And so he'll come through the storms of life. He'll be able to see sin for what it is. He accepts God's word and he puts away any of those filthy things and evil things that were in his life previously. And then the rest of the chapter teaches us that he will live a life then of service, and he'll do his best to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so the couple of things that we pick up from this chapter is in dealing with temptation, we see that there are the trials of life, these external various trials, difficulties, things that we might go through, and in and of themselves, those things are not sinful. And then he talks about one's own desires. That's where sin, uh, temptation to sin begins. But the temptation itself, those desires, not necessarily uh, sinful themselves because it has to give birth to sin. In other words, we have to give into those desires. Just having them is not necessarily sin, but it certainly uh, opens the door. And if we walk through that door, then we're giving into temptation and ultimately sinning. But if we follow the Word of God, verses 17 and following in that uh, passage, it produces righteousness 
verse 20. It produces salvation, verse 21. It changes and transforms our lives, verses 22 through 27. And see, ultimately, again, sin is not the trials of life or even the temptation to sin or those desires. But when given into, they lead to sin. And someone uh, giving into sin, they don't need to blame God. It says of, our, of their own desires. And so those are desires that are within us. And often it's because those are things that we've learned in this life, those things that we've seen in this life. And so we have those desires by some of those things that we've seen or been around or been a part of in our lives. And I think about this because this is something that I myself had to overcome and and, and trekking up that mountain, if you will, and, and dealing with this. Early on in my Christian walk, I was still learning about those temptations and those desires of the world and, and, and so on, whether it might have been uh, using foul language. Uh, I was a sailor when I obeyed the gospel and uh, was around it quite often, grew up hearing uh, a lot of language like that. And so it was kind of a part of my life. And, and those things were uh, things that I had to learn to change. I had to, I had to transform. So those desires, uh, I had to change. And so no longer uh, would I want to speak like that because I found out that that kind of language is wrong and I don't, that doesn't need to be a part of the Christian life anymore. Uh, it might have been uh, thinking about early on about drinking alcohol and even the evils of it. Proverbs 20 verse 1 teaches that. Proverbs 23, 29 to 35 teaches that. Ephesians 5, 18. The Bible is filled with warnings about alcohol and giving in to alcohol because of what it leads to, that uh, that riotous uh, type of living. And so those things, though, took some time to get out of my system. I had to learn the truth. I had to make those changes, and I had to find a better, more spiritual type of desire that would be to serve God and to be found pleasing of Him. Those former things were part of my old desires, and but for each individual, those desires of the world uh, will lead us to sin if we give in to them, and so they don't have to. We can make a choice, and it's about making a choice from uh, wanting those things of the world to wanting something better, wanting to follow God, wanting salvation, and wanting to do those things that that He desires of us. And so it's really still about our desires when you talk about Temptations Mountain. Do we truly want to please God? And if that's the case, then you can overcome temptation. You can trek o over that mountain uh, in life with God's help and with the help of good brethren who are around you that will encourage you and help keep you focused on that trek toward heaven. I want to thank you for spending your time with me in this study. In this next episode coming up, we will meet at Faith's Mountain and explore the next chapter of James, James chapter 2. We'll also take a look at Genesis 22, and we'll talk about Abraham and Abraham's faith and see what we might learn that would help us in our walk, in our journey, as we trek up Faith's Mountain next time when we meet. May God bless you and keep you, and I thank you so much for meeting me at the mountain, and may God continue to bless our journey together up this mountain. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.